So I mentioned this is today's a little bit different than kind of our normal rhythm or routine uh, on purpose. And, and that is because this morning we want to take some time to respond to some things that I really believe that the Lord has been speaking to our church at least for the last, <coughs> excuse me, six months, maybe even a year. It's not that we've been ignoring them. We've just been figuring out, okay, God, what are you saying? And how do we, how do we respond appropriately to that? And so I know over this, this last season of time, a number of people, not just leaders, but a number of people have either come to me or other leaders, and, and there's been these images and pictures and, and words that the Lord's given to people that have kind of the same theme. They have the theme of water in them. And these are all people that are independent of each other coming and kind of saying something similar. And what I want you to understand about what we're going to walk through this morning is that depending on what your spiritual heritage is or where your background is, maybe you're visiting for the first time, and so for you, you don't know what normal is here. This is normal. So, but but you, you have this idea of what church is supposed to be and, and what is crazy and what's not crazy, and so we have all these categories. But what I want you to know, what we're doing today is a normal part of following Jesus. It's very biblical in what we're doing because... In, throughout scripture, even into the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2, when Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit comes and people begin to speak in tongues and people start hearing the praise of God in their own language, Peter gets up and, and says, listen, what is happening right now is what the prophet Joel prophesied years before. And in that passage, Peter says this, quoting from Joel, that God would give visions and dreams to people. God still speaks that way to us today. Primarily, how does God speak to us? Through his word. That's the primary avenue. But then supplementally, you know what he does? He highlights the truth of his word through pictures and images that he shares through people, for people, so that he can get our attention. And that's what I'm convinced with right now in, in our church. What, what is God doing? He's wanting to get our attention. So let me give you some, I can't give you all of them, but let me just give you some of the images that have been shared with me about what God may be saying to us. One recurring one that keeps coming up is a picture of a hillside. And underneath the hillside, although you can't see it, you know it, you can feel it, you can hear it, there's rushing water underneath this hillside. And the, the, the understanding is, is, as the longer the water rushes, the stronger it gets, the more of the hillside gets eroded from within. And eventually, that water's gonna be so powerful that the hillside will just give way. Not in a destructive way, but a way that finally something's breaking free because of the power of the water within it. And then there's another image of of like a dam or a dike with, with water with being held back, but there's a hole kind of in this concrete dike, and out of that is this tendril or this vine that's growing out that's a sign of life that's just on the other side, but there's this wall, this concrete wall that's holding back the water from getting to where it wants to go. And then there's been, there's been these other images that, that people have shared that have to do with like even water flowing onto dry ground, or even as we've been doing Pray See Me, people have seen water flowing through our schools. And what's important when you see all this imagery and you hear all the, the concept that even a couple weeks ago when we prayed for healing, multiple people came to me afterwards and said, I started to feel almost and hear a rain start to fall over our congregation. It wasn't like it was raining in the room, but some people felt the sensation of like I'm getting wet. And so because of that, there's this recurring theme. And, and if you read through the scriptures, one of the things you discover about water, water always has to do with life and God's spirit in us. In fact, if you remember, we were in John chapter 4 a few weeks ago, and Jesus said this to a woman who was drawing physical water out of a well. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
So God is speaking about water because he's speaking about life. He's speaking about his Holy Spirit's work in our lives. But I know there's some things that, that I can't fully define because I'm not God, but I know I know a few things for sure that when God's speaking, the things that he's wanting to say to us, and the, there's three things I want to say to us before I read some passages of scripture. We know this for sure. God is trying to get our attention. It's not that we've been ignoring him, but it's, it's God's really saying, hey, listen, Antioch, I'm speaking to you. You need to hear what I have to say to you. I think the second thing I know this for sure is that God wants us to experience the fullness of his presence and his life and his spirit in us. He doesn't want us to hold him back. He doesn't want us to have part or half or three quarters. He wants everything of who he is for us to experience him. But then I know there's a third reality that's, that runs through all these visions and pictures that God's giving people. Something is holding us back. There's limiting factors that are contributing to God not really fully being able to give himself to us in a way that he wants us to experience him. And because of that, that's where we need to reflect and respond this morning. And we're going to do that in just a few moments. But, but as well as these images have been given over the last probably longer than just a year, but multiple times, people have, have given me a passage of scripture mentioned, and they've mentioned the book of Ezekiel. And two particular passages in chapter 36 and then in chapter 37. And I'm going to read two portions of scripture from, from the book of Ezekiel. But before I do that, just, just so you have a, a, a context. So Ezekiel was written at a time where we know that God's people had not obeyed and followed God. And though he had blessed them, he had given them their land, and they had followed him. And now they had started to turn their back on him. And they were now serving other gods and idols in their life. And so God brings his judgment on them. And through this nation called Babylon or the Assyrian Empire, God now, what, takes them captive. In fact, so the book of Ezekiel is written right after Jerusalem has fallen. And so because of that, Ezekiel is one of the first refugees coming out of Jerusalem, taking captive into Babylon. And God starts to give Ezekiel pictures and visions. And in fact, if you read through the book of Ezekiel, talk about strange. God asks Ezekiel to do all kind of strange stuff to illustrate to his people where they had gone and what they were missing out on. So he gets to chapter 36. If you have your Bibles, you don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read. In fact, it might be better if you just close your eyes and listen. This won't be on the screen. But in, in, in Ezekiel 36, verses 22 to 28, God is speaking about the restoring power that he wants to bring in his people, but listen to how he says it. He says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, God speaking to Ezekiel, Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which had been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And then listen to this. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put, put which I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land I give to your fathers, or I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. What was God saying through Ezekiel? He's saying the same thing to us. 
you've missed out on the fullness of who I am because you've turn, turned to idols and things that are fake and things that aren't real. And if you were here during the sin series that we went through a few months ago, we talked about what is an idol. An idol isn't always necessarily a horrible thing. Many times in our life, an idol is a good thing that's become the ultimate thing. It's taken the place of God in our life. It's the place or the person or the thing that we go to to find satisfaction and only find ourselves disappointed. But we keep going back thinking it's going to be different this time. It's an idol. Israel had turned to idols. Some of us, we've turned to idols, and so we don't have what God wants us to have. We've taken a substitute instead. But then here's, here's the powerful thing. Listen to what God says through Ezekiel or what he does with Ezekiel to demonstrate what's it going to look like when I restore my people. What is this picture? In fact, you might want to close your eyes, but listen to this. This is 14 verses out of Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones. Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinew or tendons and ligaments upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there was sinew. Again, tendons, ligaments on them. And flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood to their feet, or on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, say to them, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. But then verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live and i will place place in you on or place you in your own land and then i shall then you shall know that i am the lord i have spoken i will do it declares the lord listen to the word of the lord not only to his people thousands of years ago listen to the word of the lord today god wants his people to live that's the whole point of restoration is to go from death to life and God is saying it is time for us to be alive. And this morning is the process we walk through. This. Some of us here today, if you are honest with yourself, if you were honest with people around you, you would say, I'm dry bones. That's me. There's no life in me. I've just become really proficient at going through the motions of Christianity. I can go to church. I can even read my Bible. But there's nothing in me because I'm dry. And maybe there's others. It's not just the imagery of dry bones, but what's gone beyond that. It's gone beyond dryness to actually pride and, and a callousness and a heart of stone that's in you. And now you know, if you're honest, you don't feel anything. You feel nothing. 
You feel dead inside. And then maybe there's some of us that we're just honest. I'm just dying to live. I'm dying to be alive. I'm dying to experience God's presence. I want to sing about it, but I don't want to sing about it in faith. And I don't want to sing about it because it was great for somebody else. I want my own experience knowing that God is real in my life. But before we're going to spend some time in extended worship this morning, as we were preparing for this week and a number of people were praying and John Looney, who's our associate pastor, emailed me on Thursday morning and he woke up on Thursday and God gave him something so vivid about our city that I thought that is exactly what God is saying to our church. The picture that John got was that he saw our valley, he saw Simi Valley, and, and it was filled with, with Asherah poles, which an Asherah pole in the Old Testament, it was a sign of idol worship or pagan worship to the goddess Asherah, which was the fertility god. And because of that, people would, when they would worship, they would put a pole, almost like a totem pole, as a point of honor and reverence for this God. It was an idol, an act of idolatry. So when, what John saw, he saw Simi Valley filled with these poles, just like almost a maze that covered our valley. And then he saw rushing water sweep all the way across our valley and literally wipe out the Asherah poles down to the base so they were gone. None were left. And then God took John to, to Judges chapter 6 and 7 where there's the story of Gideon that many of us know. And what happens in that story is that eventually we all know the victory. Gideon defeats through God's power, defeats the Midianites with 300 men against thousands. But the first step in Gideon's journey is God comes to Gideon and says, you've got to remove the Asherah poles. So Gideon risks everything to go and start breaking down these places of worship and idolatry that Israel had bought into. That's where he starts. Why? Because God wasn't going to move past the idols that they had placed. They had to allow those to be destroyed. And so this morning, one of the things I, I'm convinced of about our response to what God is doing is that one of the issues, and I'm not saying this is the issue for everyone, but God's dealing with idols in our lives. And his, his water's being held back by a dam, and it's being held back by a hillside because he wants to bring it in power and he wants to bring us to life. But he's saying in order for you to live, you have to allow your idols to die. And we have to be willing to take that seriously. And before we go into worship, let me share you two things that came out of first service that, that I know. One of them was me, the Lord. I was in the back worshiping when we were going to worship and God gave me a very strong picture and I could feel it in the room. It was this, as the water started to flow across our valley, I saw an individual stand up on the opposite side of the Asherah pole and hold it and kind of dig their feet in as the water was coming, saying, I'm going to hold this pole. It's not going to crumble. It's not going to crush. It's not going anywhere. It's going to withstand the water that's coming this way as a point of rebellion against what God was trying to bring in their life. And it wasn't a bad thing that God was trying to bring. And then somebody also shared with me, they saw not only was it pride and resistance, but there was fear. And she saw somebody hanging on to one of the poles, like for dear life, like the water's coming. And as the water started to rise, they would hop from pole to pole, trying to stay out of the water. But eventually they couldn't, and once they got into the water, everything changed. So I don't know if it's pride, which is a hard heart, or if it's fear that's in you. But I know one thing that is true about this morning you can't remain passive. You can't. When God speaks, he doesn't say, ah, oh, it's just for a couple people. He speaks to his people and say, I'm leaning in right now. I'm speaking to you. And he's wanting a response. And I'm not telling you what the response is supposed to be, but I know that each one of us has a response that God is calling us out of. And so in the next time that we have the remainder of our worship, we're going to lean in and worship. We're going to lean in on, on our service to really 
press in. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, the way we're going to do this is pretty organic. The front is open, the back is open, the side is open. What I'm going to encourage you to do as you are worshiping, the first thing you're going to need to do is you're going to say, okay, God, if I don't know what they are already, what's the idol? I asked God that first service, and he hit me right between the eyes, and he said, John, your idol's control. You always have to be in control. You're the pastor. You're the husband. You're the dad. You have to have the answers. Your idol is control because your value is assessed by the amount of control you have in the lives of other people. That's not what you want to hear, but it's exactly what I needed to hear. And I got up here on my face and just started weeping because God was showing me that's what's getting in the way of what I want to do in your life. I want to raise you out of your grave, but you're too, bu- too busy being in control of what I'm trying to do. I don't know what yours is, but all of us have to come to a place and say, God, I don't know what it is, but here, show me. Some of us, right off the bat, you know what it is. And God's saying, it's time to surrender it. It's time to lay it down. It's time to allow my, the water of my spirit to come wash that thing away in your life so it no longer has any bearing on who you are and what God wants to do. And what we're going to do as well during this time is, is you can go find space, you can kneel, you can stand, you can sit. And here's the other thing. There's not going to be any leaders up front for you to come and have someone pray for you. This is the way we, I, I really felt God wanted us to, to see this unfold. That if you feel that God gives you something for somebody else in the room, go pray for them. Let God speak visions and dreams in you about somebody else in the room. Or if you need prayer, you just tap the person next to you. You find someone and say, hey, can you pray for me? I just need someone to agree with me right now. And let God do what he wants to do in us today. He's here now. I'm convinced of it. And he wants to work in our lives but we have to be ready for it. We have to be willing to surrender and embrace what he's doing. Would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts? Lord Jesus, we don't want to work up emotion. We don't want to pretend that this is real. We want it to be real because you are real. So right now, Lord, I ask that you would come by your spirit because we know, Lord, you don't dwell in this building, but you dwell in your people. Therefore, you are present. And because of that, Lord, we, ha- we know that there's something real that you want to do in our lives. So Lord, would you allow us to surrender Would you allow us to let go of the Asherah pole of our lives? Would you allow us to see that, Lord, that what you have to offer is far greater than any any idol could ever offer to us? And the result would be, Lord, that we surrender to the flow of your water in our lives that revives our souls, that softens our hearts, that takes the heart of stone out and replaces it with a heart of flesh. Let us feel, let us experience, Lord, your power. Let us experience your resurrection within us as we give ourselves to you today. Jesus, would you do what only you can do in us? We look forward with great anticipation, Lord, in your name. Amen.